Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast to recap day three of the NFL Combine quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Joining me is Ryan Roberts, who made his Hodge back home to South Jersey after his wonderful trip to Indianapolis. I know we kind of already recapped the trip. How was the trip back? Was that how was the 7 a.m. flight after the long week? Was that was that survivable? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it actually was, man. It was uh, yeah, lucky this trip, Joe, both there and back. I had both connecting flights and everything was on time, man. No delays at all. I think that was the first time in like years I haven't had any delays at all. So it was good, man. It was good. It was a little rainy heading out yesterday in in uh, Indianapolis. But otherwise, it was a safe and enjoyable trip, which is good. Well, I'm glad and you my, survived. And, and, my, and my wife had Chick-fil-A waiting for me when she picked me up from the airport. Oh. So that's always nice, man. It's always nice. Man, you're hitting home runs the whole week, man. Yeah. The Chick-fil-A might be the the biggest winner of the week. Forget <laughs> any of these prospects. The biggest riser is the Chick-fil-A that, that Ryan got Ch- at the end of his trip. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, call me for a sponsorship. Yes, on the pod. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we got a lot to get to today. We're actually going to have two pods dropping today because – we're going to tape either after this or early tomorrow to recap day four, which is the offensive lineman and the running backs. But we have to get to the obvious elephant in the room, which is the behemoth of a human being who is playing quarterback at the University of Florida and showed up and showed out in the testing. I, of course, am talking about Anthony Richardson, who came in at six foot four, 244 pounds, Ryan. Yep. Four, four, three yep. is the number that put everybody in awe. 40 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot, nine inch broad. All of these numbers are historic numbers. And I said this coming into the week that he was going to have a historic testing day. And I don't think anyone disagreed. Now it does get a little muddy when we start talking about him as a thrower yep. and how natural he is as a thrower. I thought he did as expected in my opinion. I thought that he was inconsistent. He didn't do horrible. He didn't completely crap the bed. But he also didn't excel like a guy he was throwing up against in C.J. Stroud. Right. There were some throws he couldn't hit, which was the out route that he struggled with. But some of them, they looked really good. Like that deep ball that he threw was was gorgeous. It was one of the best throws of the day out of anybody. But I think that Anthony Richardson, where he's helping himself right now, is those athletic testing numbers. And there's a reason why everybody is talking about him because of those numbers. I just hope people don't count it twice, though, Joe. That's the one thing, right? That's where I am. Because, I mean, did anybody think that he wasn't going to be an incredible athlete, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, you watch him and you're just like, yep. Just puts in a better perspective, though. Because, sure. like, to be fair, we thought Malik Cunningham was going to run a 4-3. He runs a 4-5. Well, and no, this is really I, good context. S- someone put it out there that he was going to run a 4-3, a pretty high-ranking uh, director. But we'll, we'll talk about that at a different time, right? And, <laughs> I mean, Joe, I mean, everyone keeps ca- – throwing out the Cam Newton comparison, right, because of the body type and then the athletic testing. Anthony Richardson has an argument as the greatest athlete that we've ever seen at a quarterback position coming to the NFL. He has that argument. I mean, 6'4 and an 8", 244, 
I mean, it started with the 40 and a half inch vert, Joe. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I saw a 10-9 broad. I'm like, that's a really good number, too. I mean, that's the best of quarterbacks ever done at the combine as well. But 40 and a half inches, man, that is an ungodly number for 244 pounds. That's like that's levitating, man. That's unreal. And then he follows it up with the 443, and you're just kind of like, yep. I mean, he cemented it. It's just like at 244 pounds. Guys should not be able to do all that type of stuff, right? So you look at that and you're just like, yeah, I think you said it well. It puts it into perspective just how athletic he is. You've got that context fully. When you're talking about the Cam Newtons of the world, the RG3s, whoever, the Michael Vicks, like this is probably the most impressive athlete from a height, weight, speed conversation that has ever come into the NFL. I thought that there were some really good moments as a thrower. I thought there was. I mean, especially the deep ball, man. We, I mean, we saw oh that. God. We saw that on the Florida film, though, right? I mean, I think it was the first yeah. play of the game against LSU where he uncorked the deep post. Just like that kid has an absolute cannon for an arm, and he unloads pretty quickly, man. He's got a pretty quick release. The thing with Anthony Richardson, though, is that his upper body and his lower body do not always work together. And I think that's what you saw when he was running, like the, the throwing the deep outs during during the day. Like everything's just a little bit late everything's a little bit inside because he's just releasing the ball a little bit not in proper rhythm right like the rhythm is something that needs to improve him he's not there yet like we saw cj stroud i know we're going to talk about cj stroud cj stroud was crisp Mm. you know it it was consistent anthony richardson is not that right now but i also think that we need to remember anthony richardson has started what 10 football games in his career like it's not a ton which gives people some pause, and I completely understand it. But from an athleticism perspective, from a size perspective, from a arm strength perspective, everything's there. And I just think he has a talented arm in general, right? It's not just it's just not just pure velocity. The kid can take something off the ball. The kid can throw from different from different arm slots, from different platforms, from a bad platform. He can do all those things. It's just a question of, hey man, whoever the quarterback coach is that Anthony Richardson lands with, whoever the offensive coordinator is that he lands with, you really need to harp on timing, timing. Let's get, let's get that foot connected with that upper body. Let's make sure everything is consistent on a snap-to-snap basis. If they can, we're talking about a superstar potentially. That, yes. That's it. Absolutely. And here's the thing with Anthony Richardson for me. like I, We're all getting excited over it. We're all talking about it. But the reality of, of his performance is this isn't, this isn't Anthony Richardson showing up doing really well, and suddenly he's a top five pick. No, this is reiterating what we knew about him as evaluators. I think people that don't do evaluations and do media now are trying to get caught up on him. We were talking about Anthony Richardson maybe being the first overall pick or being a top quarterback back in September. We did a whole show on that, talking about that. Everybody's catching up to what this this conversation is. But the way that I look about it, that I look at this, this for Richardson – I'm not the one who came out up with this point. It is one that has been circulating is that he is not so much green and moldable. Actually, moldable is not the right word. It's not so much that he can't play the position and that he doesn't have the skills to do it. It's he's inexperienced. That's what makes a guy like him exciting. He is playing 10 football games, 10 football games. And everything you talked about there, I saw a guy who is a natural athlete and a natural at the position. That's what's exciting. And to me, he's natural, but has inconsistencies. He has issues that need improvement. He and hasn't I saw played that enough. In the throwing. He hasn't played exactly. enough. That's where it the, is. It's, it's just like that's the, my point. This is like the Trey Lance thing all over again, Joe, right? Like Trey Lance was not this green player from a 
from a you know arm talent perspective and from a footwork perspective. Like he really wasn't. The thing about Trey Lance was that he just hadn't played a lot of football, man. So like it was about seeing a variety of coverages, having to work through your drops consistently while also having that post snap progression and those type of stuff. That's the Anthony Richardson stuff right now, man. He just hasn't played a ton. This is a kid that needs to see live reps. He needs to see the speed, you know, acclimate to, you know, to figuring out what what the process of everything is from a pre to post snap. Like those things all need to happen still. So mm. it's not a green thing as much as, or it's not a lack of ability or a lack of, you know, progression. It's literally the best way to improve and to get better at something is to do it. And he hasn't done it a ton. That's where we are. Which is why I still stand by and. To wrap Anthony Richardson, because I don't want this to be a a 45-minute Anthony Richardson (laughs) show, because I know we're going to do a probably a 30-minute Anthony Richardson show. It's going to happen. Yeah. But there's a reason why people bring up, and why I believe this point, that I would rather have Anthony Richardson over Will Levis. Because while Will Levis is maybe a hair more consistent, a hair more consistent, he still has a lot more processing issues or the same amount of processing issues and decision-making issues He's older and he's played way more football games. That to me is described as a guy who is moldable and high character. Yep. And Anthony Richardson is described as somebody who can't play the position. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm hoping that this context of seeing him throw up against some of these other guys can help us realize that point. I think those that are smart evaluators will and those who aren't won't. And they're going to overreact. It's simple yep. as that. Well, I, I think... The one thing that I do want to put out in the universe, though, because, I mean, there's a lot – obviously, there's a lot of positives with what Anthony Richardson this week in Indianapolis. He also interviewed incredibly well from everything I heard, which is also great to hear. But there is two worlds here, Joe. There is two realities. One is that you find a superstar, right? And he is able to just transcend any situation, able to make people around him better. That stuff is possible. The other situation is he gets you fired in a couple of years because he doesn't develop properly. There, there are yeah. two chasms there, right? Like there's a wide range of outcomes for Anthony Richardson. But for me, a guy that isn't going to get fired at the end of the day, I look at Anthony Richardson and say, well, I'm betting on that superstar upside, man. Like I want that. That That, that, is, in, in to- that is enticing of, you know, just to have that ability and to make everyone around you better. Like there's a lot of upside with him, right? But there is a reality. And I, this is why I would ra- almost rather always – I would almost always rather rate quarterbacks after I see where they get drafted to, right? Because the minute that you see that Zach, – Zach Wilson's a comparison, right? I didn't love Zach Wilson's BYU film, but he was plenty talented. It was not a talent issue, right? But he lands mm-hmm. with the Jets, and you're just kind of like, oh, man. Johnny Manziel lands with the Cleveland Browns when the Cleveland Browns were a dumpster fire at the time, right? Like there's some situations that guys landed to, you're just like – that's probably not going to work out well. So in one situation, Anthony Richardson could be a superstar. In another, he might not make it. It's really, It really is so dependent on what the fit is and where these players fall. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Anthony Richardson. And that's part of the reason why I don't think that he will be the first overall pick. I think in our eyes, he is the most talented quarterback. But to your point, I think whoever trades up to that first spot, to trade up, draft him, is a fireable offense if he does not succeed in a couple of years. He might be draft, more than a two-year prospect or project, rather. Draft Bryce Young, man. Don't overthink this, fellas. Don't overthink it. What, what's the line from draft day? Uh, uh, oh, my God. What was it? Uh, Bryce Young, Dante no matter Matt, what? 
Bryce Monte Young, no Mack, what. no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Bryce Young, no matter what, man. Bryce Young, no matter what. To round out with the quarterback discussion with the two other guys, though, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, it's yep. no surprise that the only guys that we're going to really talk about here are the guys in the first round discussion. I think you really did see that massive drop off with everybody else. Everybody else k- kind of stinks. Everyone <laughs> don't else is say it like that. Everyone's man. fine. I just, I don't like the, like, oh, Jared Hall's a sleeper. Jake Hayner's the Brock I like Purdy Jake Hayner. Class. I like Jake Hayner. I he's, like Jake Hayner. He's fine, but I don't know if he did enough for me to be like, oh, he's this sleeper developmental guy. He's a backup quarterback. Yeah, he's a backup there's nothing wrong with that. You need to find right. those guys, though. You need to find those guys. Yeah. Exactly. To get to the first rounders, though, Will Levis, I thought, really showed that the ball comes off his hand really live. And I was saying this to you before the show. I thought he did a very good job of adjusting pace on the football because at times he's one of those dudes who might throw, you know, a quick, quick route to the sideline or, you know, a quick, quick, uh, you know, flare route to a running back and he's ripping it. And that's why sometimes his touch is a little bit off. Yep. But I thought that he looked a little bit cleaner. You said that on film, you thought that in general, he was a pretty natural thrower. And I think that that translated. Stroud at the same time, too, was, as you said, crisp. He was easy. He was so easy in these drills. I don't think anyone had a better day than C.J. Stroud throwing the football. I don't think it yep. even compares. It's, it, was, it was I was in awe watching it. I can't even put into words how good of a day that C.J. Stroud had. Well, I I think they both match their film for the most part, really. I mean, Will Levis for me, and I, because I think there is a misconception out there about Will Levis that he's like this mechanically unsound player and he's not a natural thrower. Just like, no, he's natural, man. The ball comes out easy. He has a quick release. He's got good feet in the pocket. All that stuff is true. Will Levis, I don't think, sees the game very well right now, which that worries me a ton. We're talking about a 24-year-old quarterback at this point. But he said at the media availability, man, I have a cannon. I'm going to show it off. And he did that. He did that. He throws a great pace and and incredible velocity. I think he's kind of a one-speed thrower at times. Like, I mean, if we're we're going to compare it a little bit to a baseball pitcher, right? Like, he's he's a fastball guy. Like, all he has is the fastball. He doesn't have the – the changeup. He doesn't have the curveball. Like he doesn't have all the tools in his arsenal to be a little bit of a multi-throw type of guy, right? Right now. But I still think that the physical tools are fantastic. He's going to get overdrafted because of it, and you know because we've we've seen this show before. We've seen this show before. C.J. Stroud, Joe. He might be the most underrated. He might be the most underrated quarterback in this class. I think he's so weird saying that. (laughs) I I think he's the easy quarterback too, man. I really do. Because I understand why people aren't as excited about CJ Stroud. Because I do question what the upside really is. Because I don't think he's a great player out of structure. I don't think he's a dynamic athlete. Like he's just a solid athlete who plays like a pocket quarterback. And that's fine, right? You can still win with those types of players. But what you saw on the film on the field on Saturday is that his feet are as crisp as anybody. He gets the ball out incredibly fast. Everything's always consistently together, right? Like you don't see disjointed from the upper and lower body. He sees the game well. He gets through processing quickly. He has quick feet, and he throws an accurate football. All those things are great. I just think that some people are like, that's great, but is he just Jared Goff? And like Jared Goff's a good quarterback at the NFL level. Like he's not terrible, right? So I think a great that, year this year for the Lions too, and they almost made the playoffs. That's what you need to make the playoffs. That's what some people I think don't realize is that 
you need average consistency, slightly above average consistency to reach the playoffs. And that's right. your point is that's what CJ Stroud is going to be. He is not going to be Josh Allen, put the team on your back, uh, yeah. rush for a 10 yard first down when you've got pressure bearing down on you. That's not him. It's to your point, natural, easy thrower that when things open up in front of him, he's going to make a good decision and he's going to make it cleanly and accurately. And no matter what the situation is that he falls into, he's going to make the situation better, right? Like it's going to get better. He can make a bad situation into an okay situation. You make an okay one into a good, a good into a great. He can, when things are, are, my point is, is that there's a consistency about him. There's a high floor about him. I do question if he can put a team on his back. I do question if he can really be a high upside type of quarterback at the next level. But the floor is so high, man. And I feel like we get so excited about the ceiling sometimes that we ignore that the floor is important. That stuff is important. You need the consistency. You need the dependability. And I think that no matter what team drafts C.J. Stroud, you should expect he's going to be a good quarterback for you. The question is, is he going to be a great one? But, I mean, again... Well, I think he can be. It's just about being in the right situation with enough pieces around him, similar to how he was at Ohio State. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with Underdog Fantasy. Ever since I joined, I've been having so much fun. There are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but it has made it way more entertaining since I found Underdog Fantasy. And my favorite game to play so far, which I think you should try out, is Pick'em. It is so easy to play. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple. With their easy-to-use website and mobile apps, pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K. Hack, like the name of this channel, use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being Bet Online, betonline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games, I love betting on college basketball or the NBA, uh, especially again during the offseason. Always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on some of these other sports. It's betonline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. It's promo code BELIEVE50 to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Which is why on this show, you and I have Bryce Young and CJ Stroud ranked as one and two in this class is for that reason, having the higher floors. To get to receivers, not to spend too much time on quarterbacks, I think 15 minutes is probably what I was expecting because everyone is just talking about quarterbacks. I think all the radio spots that I did leading up to the combine, 70% of it was quarterback related. I'm sure it was probably the same for you. (laughs) Um, To talk about these receivers, to bring up, there's a lot of names to discuss. Um, Josh Downs. So first of all, weird part. Yeah, is that I think there was an expectation that we were going to get a lot of four three guys, and we didn't really get a lot of those four three guys. Despite that, we shouldn't overthink the speed. Josh Downs five nine one seventy one four four eight thirty eight and a half inch vertical ten foot eleven inch broad had I think the cleanest reps in the drills. Just very easy feet, very natural player. We know that he is 
a shifty deep threat. And that's what you're going to get with a guy like Josh Downs. He's going to be in that top five discussion for the receivers. Uh, I thought that Jalen Hyatt tested very well at six foot 176 with 32 and a half inch arms. Very underrated arm length for a receiver. Four, four, 40 inch vertical, 11 foot, three inch broad were some of the best jumping numbers. Quinton Johnston, six foot three, 208, 33 and five eighth inch arms, 40 and a half inch vertical, 11, two in the broad explosive does not run a 40. Um, Two more guys I want to bring up to to round this out. A.T. Perry, who I don't think is getting enough attention in this class. Six foot three and a half, 198, 33 and a quarter inch arms, 447, which is way faster than I kind of thought he was. I thought he was going to be a 4.5 guy. 35 inch vertical, 11 one on the broad. I know you, you're the guy. I who knocked that one out of the park, man. I think I literally the- <laughs> said 447 on this show, man. I think I literally said 447 on this show. And so. then it needs to be brought up. You did because you pulled the clip, I think. Um, it needs to be brought up, though, that Jackson Smith and Jigba had historic short a- area quickness at the combine as he runs a 6573 cone and he yep. has a 393 short shuttle. Does not run a 40. Doesn't need to run the 40 because if you run a four, ran a 455, everyone would overanalyze it. But the short area quickness is goofy. And there's a reason why he is probably the best slot receiver in the class and deserves to still remain in the discussion despite that. Thoughts on all the guys I just brought up? That was a lot of guys, man. I know. I mean, all those there are so many goddamn receivers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Joe, do you remember the comp I, get, I put on Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of working backwards a little bit here? Didn't you say short Keenan Allen? Short Keenan Allen, man, and and I think it. I think that the the I think that the combine that he had speaks so heavily to that man because people overthought Keenan Allen so much. He was like a second or third round pick because he ran slow in the forty yard dash. But you look at all the other numbers, you're like. But he's got decent explosive numbers. He's got really good short area quickness stuff, man. Like that's that's what Jackson Smith and Jigba is. He's a really good short area player. There's a reason that he didn't run the 40, though. There's a reason for that. He's not going to run it fast, and that's fine. He's going to be a slot. But the numbers that he put up from a short area perspective are special numbers. Like, they're special. That three cone, that short shuttle, they're special numbers. He's just not going to be – he's not going to be a guy that I think is going to consistently play outside on the next level. I think he's mostly going to be a slot receiver, which is what he did at Ohio State. But we're going to underappreciate him a little bit because he's going to go to his pro day, because he's going to get forced to run the 40 at some point, and he's going to run 4.58, right? Like 4.60, somewhere in that ballpark. It doesn't really matter to me, because I think what he is is what we saw during the combine at that point. But, you know, people are going to overanalyze that stuff, man. They're going to overanalyze it. But he's a good football player. He has the highest floor of any wide receiver in the 2023 class, in my opinion. He has the highest floor. He's going to be a good football player on the next level. Again, is he going to be an inside-out dynamic player? Probably not, but neither is Keenan Allen. And that dude catches 100 passes perennially every single year. Like, can we give some credit there? <laughs> Josh Downs, I didn't expect him to run an incredibly fast 40. I thought it was going to be in the 4-4s. Four he ran 4-4-8. Four, four, Check the box. The other numbers, though, explosive, man. Kid is an explosive yeah. mover. Those aren't yeah. stupid numbers like compared to everybody else, but for 5'9 to jump yeah. that high, that's that takes a lot of for short legs for to be that small to spring that much is hard. I don't think a lot of people realize that. 
Yes. And he's so he's an explosive football player, man. And I thought that he had an argument to being the smoothest player in the drills all day from the wide receivers. Like I thought he was incredibly smooth, caught the football consistently. The one thing about Josh Downs that I love is that he is surprisingly good at the catch point for as small as he is, man. Like he finishes through contact well. Everyone loves to throw out this comp for like all the small receivers that are good at the catch point. But I really do think there's some Doug Baldwin in his game, man. Like Doug Baldwin's like one of those rare football players who's really good down the field, mm-hmm. great through contact. And it's just like odd kind of a bot, uh, kind of a profile. But man, he's a good football player, man. I want to see what Quentin Johnston runs because I still am not convinced that he's going to run fast. But like you said, springy athlete, explosive in short areas. That's great stuff. He's still developmental in my opinion. But Obviously did some good stuff. Jalen Hyatt, man, it's so funny. He ran 4-4 flat, and everyone's super disappointed because I thought he was a 4-2 kid on – So did I, I dude. So did I. I thought he was going to run like 4-2-7, 4-2-8, something like that. But regardless, 4-4 flat's good. And then when you take in the fact that he had 11-3 broad and like a 40-inch vert or whatever the heck he did, it's like, yeah, that kid's stupid explosive. Like it's really explosive. So there were some good numbers. I I, I really think that some people got a little bit uh, disappointed though because like – we were expecting Jalen Hyatt to maybe contend for that 40 record, right? Like we were expecting it. We wanted to see Quentin Johnson run the 40. He chose not to. So there was a couple missing attributes to the day. But And I do think that a, the large portion of the wide receiver group did really struggle to catch the football, man. I made a comment on this, Joe. Like when they were running routes, there yeah. were a lot of drops out there, man. There were a lot of drops. It was very frustrating. Well, but those guys, I think, did have good days overall. So I know that we brought up a lot of guys, but there were 60-something receivers. I forget what it, what the number was. But like that's to the point where my main takeaway from the receivers is that, one, there's no elite alpha dog, which we knew coming into the day, yes. which was reiterated. And then, two, I think that there's, a, there's 50 feet of crap with this receiver class. I'm going to be completely <laughs> blunt and honest here, and I know some people don't want to hear that, but I really don't think that there is – as much depth as some people hope. The way that I see it right now, Ryan, and I think you agree with me, is that we've got a couple of guys that might go in the back half of the first round. Most of them are going to go in the second round. It's a lot of guys, I think like six, seven guys that will be likely second to tertiary options in a lot of receiving rooms. There's not a primary receiver in this class, in my opinion. And then after that, it's a bunch of special teamers. That's it. I don't, I don't see, I didn't see any, anyone who really impressed me or like, like, wow, this guy looks really natural. I texted you about a couple of guys like Charlie Jones. I thought yeah. Tested Weldon looked fine and he's going to be a special teamer, probably a good kick returner. Uh, I thought Mike he's, Bobo he's a, looked fine. He is, Charlie Jones is a, one of the best punt returners that we've seen over the last couple of years when he was at, um, he was at Iowa and then he transferred to Purdue, obviously. So just to add to your context there, I add a little context. Yeah, the. I, but in general, not the sexiest group. But what was sexy, Ryan, man? This tight end class. I'm a big <laughs> fan of this tight end class, dude. So we had Zachary Kuntz, who comes in at six foot seven, 34 inch vertical, 255 uh, for his weight. Sorry, 34 inch arms, 255 yes. for his weight, which is a big kid. Four, big five, kid. five in the 40, 40 inch vertical, 10 foot, eight inch broad. Quick point on Kuntz, though. I thought he is a really. His lower half is way too thin. It yeah. showed up when they had him block the sled because he couldn't move the sled. And the comment by Jeremiah I didn't agree with was like, oh, this is tough for the taller guys. It's because he has no weight in his ass. And he's not driving the – he doesn't have the leg strength to drive the sled. And I, I get what – he's yeah. a goal line fade guy. That's what he's probably going to yeah. do. 
Well, I, I think both I think both you and Daniel Jeremiah are right in your points, right? I just think you kind of have to put them together. I think that he has a very thin lower half. I don't think he has a ton of pop in his in his in his in his ass, right? Like I don't think that he has a just a lower body to create a lot of movement. But I also think that Daniel Jeremiah does have a solid point of like, it's hard for taller guys to gain consistent leverage all the time, right? So like when you put those things together, Zach Koontz isn't going to be a guy that's going to play in line a ton, early on especially. That's a movement-based guy. That's a big slot. That's a you know goal line boundary receiver. Like that's what Zach Koontz is. Because Joe, I don't know if you know this, great stat for you. Great stat. You remember Pat Fryermuth, who's turned into a, I, I a obviously a very Penn. good tight end for the yeah. Steelers? So he went to Penn State, and in his recruiting class, Pat Fryermuth was actually the second-ranked tight end in the Penn State class coming out of high school. And that was because Zach Kuntz was the number one tight end coming out of high school that year. So he's got a lot of fanfare. He had a really good 2021 season. 2022, he was banged up and injured throughout. Mm. So he, the production wasn't quite as good. The kid's a height, weight, speed freak, though, man. He's got a lot of talent for sure. Just he's not going to block incredibly well, and he's raw still. As a, as a route runner, he's very raw. But some teams going to overdraft him because they're going to be like, that kid's 6'7". Jelani Woods. Yeah. Well, Mike Isicki, Jelani Woods. Like, pick your poison there, right? Because Jelani actually played pretty well as a rookie. He yeah. actually did. But, yeah. I mean, he's a height, weight, speed guy. We'll see, man. But, uh, yeah. You're definitely not drafting him for his in-line blocking right away. Definitely not. I think the more impressive, well-rounded performance, and I think the biggest tight end riser is Darnell Washington. He was in a situation at Georgia where he was second fiddle to Brock Bowers, and there's the joke that he put in his, I think it's his Twitter bio or whatever, that he's an extra lineman. And he's a really he good blocker. Is, man. He, he basically, basically is. It's six foot seven, yeah. 264, 34 and 3 eighth inch arms, which is stupid length. Yep. Four six four in the forties a really good time for that size, and then run uh, thirty one inch vertical, ten foot two inch broad. I saw though, I felt one of the more not the most, but one of the more natural players in all of the drills. So his blocking was pretty crazy. I thought that his his catching was very natural for the most part. I thought that he looked very easy as an athlete, and then the, it, it, yep. we ended the day with the highlight catch where. He extends and puts his arm up in the air and, and snags the ball out of the air. I think that for me, what this does, who Darnell Washington actually is my next up to watch for uh, the tight end group. Mm-hmm. Coming out of this week, it kind of gives, gives me better context where all you really saw him do was block. And now I can get a better understanding of he can actually have some production as a receiver. And I think at the bare minimum for a guy like Darnell Washington, you can draft him somewhere on day two. And he can be, at the very least, a one of the best second tight ends in the NFL. I think that that's what, at the very minimum for his floor, that's what he brings to an NFL roster. I'm Joe. I'm so frustrated about the Darnell Washington conversation because I actually like Darnell Washington, but people make me dislike him because they're just a little too high on him, man. Just a little bit. Yeah. Because I mean, I'll be very honest about this, right? Much faster than I thought he was. I thought he was going to be around four eights. And for Same. for that size, like four eights, fine. Like for as big as he is, right? But running four six four, it's like, oh, okay, that's maybe a little bit more. That's a little different linearly than I expected. You mentioned the short shuttle, which was a great time. He's an impressive athlete, man. And the great thing about Darnell Washington, and he has an incredible baseline as a football player as well, because he's a Dominant blocker, man. Day one, he's going to come in and he is going to create movement at the point of attack. And he also has 
very strong hands. So like strong hands, dominant blocking. Cool. I'm all that's that's there, man. I love it. But he's not tight end one in this class. He's not. He's got 700 something career receiving yards, Joe. Three touchdowns. That's that's a bad year for Michael Mayer in college. That's a bad <laughs> year for him. I mean, honestly, it is. That's a it's below average through the last two years that he's had at Notre Dame. That's kind of the point that I'm like, if Dalton Kincaid had that this year, you'd be like, oh, you know, Dalton Kincaid's fine. He's not going to be like what he's being considered now, right? Like, there's just not production behind him. And I understand the whole stuff, the Brock Bowers and everyone, but like, yes. Play with Brock Bowers. It's going to take some targets away from him. But he was the fourth leading receiver on this team this year, or fifth leading receiver. Kenny McIntosh had more yards and catches than him, a running back. So, like, there's some context there, man. There's some context. The upside is nice. He's got a really high floor as a football player. All that stuff is great, but I do think that the reality is that I question, is Darnell Washington going to be a high-volume pass catcher at the next level? I'm not sure about that. I think... He's more in the Bubba Franks mold of the tight ends, which if people that remember Bubba Franks, Bubba Franks was a really good football player, man. He blocked his tail off for Green Bay. He was a red zone weapon, and he had a decent amount of catches a couple of times. But he's not a he's not a guy that you look at and say, like, that's a perennial Pro Bowl player. Like, I yeah. don't think that's what he's going to be. I think he's going to be a good football player who is going to be best served if it's like a New England Patriots style of approach at the tight end position where it's like, wow, you got Darnell Washington, the great inline tight end can create some mismatches. And you have another like little bit of a more of an H back style of like an Aaron Hernandez, right? Where like you can move them around their skill sets work off of one another rather than him just being the guy. I'm not sure Darnell Washington is the guy as a high, high volume pass receiver, but I do think he's incredibly big. He's a good athlete. He's physical. And he's got strong hands. That gives it a tremendous baseline. I just don't – I just don't – I can't get there with the tight end one conversation. Just can't get there with that, man. Just can't get there. The guy in the class, though, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, six foot four and a half, two forty nine. 249. He comes in a little lighter than we were anticipating. Runs a 4.7, has a 32.5-inch vertical, a 9-foot, 10-inch broad. So not that explosive, not as fast as some of the other guys. I think we – the, the realists knew how Michael Mayer was going to test, that he was not going to be this freaky athlete. But what he is is the epitome of consistency, good footwork, good blocker, tenacious blocker, strong hands. He showed all of that in the drills. Like the gauntlet, he looked really clean in the gauntlet. Everything I got from Michael Mayer, Mayer reiterated what I knew. And I, I just don't know how we can sit here and overanalyze Michael Mayer and then give all this credit to Dalton Kincaid, who didn't test, who's hurt right now, who's an older player, who doesn't block as much. I still fully believe that Michael Mayer is going to be the most productive tight end in, in this class. And I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that he, by his second season, is going to be a Pro Bowl player. He is that good of a guy who can have that m- level of impact. He does not need to be Mike Gusecki. He is not that type of an athlete. He is no. more consistent than he is explosive. Well, and, and there's two guys, there's three guys that I've always had his name kind of written close to, Joe. One is Jason Witten, which I someone compared him to Jason Witten of like the high ranking guys. And, you know, people are talking about, oh, he might be more just Jason Witten compared to Travis Kelsey. I'm like, you, you do realize that Jason Witten had 1,200 career receptions and made 11 Pro Bowls, right? Like, you right. don't understand he was a pretty good football player, but he wasn't the speed merchant coming out of Tennessee. Neither was. Um, neither was, who was the other guy I had? I had, um, sorry, I'm blanking for a second because everyone just, 
not Gronk. No, everyone kept going back to uh, to say uh, the guy that got drafted, TJ Hawkinson. I'm like, I don't oh. get that TJ Hawkinson stuff. Mark Andrews is another one. Sorry, I just had a brain fart there for a second. Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma. If you look at their, their testing next to each other, incredibly similar, man. Mayer actually had a higher vert than Mark Andrews, had a better uh, broad jump than Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews ran 4.67, and Michael Mayer ran 4.7 flat. So, like, they're pretty comparable football players, man. They really are. And the other guy is Dallas Goddard. I think that they are very similar football players. I just named three Pro Bowl players at the next level that I think play a similar style and similar brand of football. Michael Mayer was – sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know what actually is, like, a really good comparison to put this into context – yeah. I, it's it's like the Ravens when they drafted Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews in the same class. Mark yeah. Andrews was drafted later, and Mark Andrews is a pro bowler. Hayden Hurst, yes. older, good athlete, did not pan out at all. And I'm not yeah. saying that Dalton Kincaid would, wouldn't pan out, but that's kind of what the mental gymnastics that I see are happening right now is that we have all this production, but he was playing in an offense where he was the guy that they were getting the football to. They didn't have any receivers. They had to go to Dalton Kincaid. 2018, Joe, 2018 NFL draft. Um, Dallas Goddard was the second tight end drafted that year. Who was first? Who was it? Was it Hayden Hurst? Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki was the first tight end off the board. That's the comparison I always make, man. We fangirl over these these incredible athletes at the Underwear Olympics, right? But then we ignore the fact that, like, Hey, man, how about the three years of film that Michael Mayer just put out, right? And the worst part is, is that people have convinced themselves that Michael Mayer was a ba- is a bad athlete because of his testing. But when you look at all, all the testing numbers stack up to people, it's like, no, he's a good athlete. He's just not an elite athlete, right? Like, he's not an elite athlete. And we already knew that, though. Mm. And then he gets to the field work, though. You're like, you know, pretty solid as a blocker. But then when he's able to move and run routes and run the gauntlet and do all that type of stuff, you're just like, dude. That's the best tight end in this class, man. Like, I don't even think it's close. I really don't even think it's close. I think it's a really deep class. I love this tight end group, but I think it's Michael Mayer up top with some separation, man. I really do. And I think I think he I think he took care of business is the way I phrased it, right? Like he he showed me everything that I needed to see for him to, you know, just be cemented as the tight best tight end in this class. I he did not disappoint me, like some people tried to convince themselves that he did. Don't overthink Michael Mayer is the tagline of this show. At Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft. We've got more coming later today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.